0: Welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast with host, Teddy Tarantino. New episodes every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget to subscribe.
1: All right. Hey, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. Today, I have Chappie on the show. Thank you so much, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. Where does Chappie come from?
0: This right here, addiction. Chapstick Addiction. Yeah, I'm You're still right? looking for a sponsor. Anybody want to sponsor wow. me for Chapstick Addiction? It's that's that it. bad? Yeah. Oh, all since day long. You see, I probably put it on three times since mm-hmm. we've been sitting here. That's I go through one of these burst Bees like every, I don't know, probably three days. You ever think about quitting? I'm at the point of no return it was <laughs> just like just like with drugs you know, the, the <laughs> downward spiral just doesn't ever stop like they say there's like that stuff in it where like mm-hmm. cuts your lips so it makes you so addicted to the chapstick yeah. like, I'm at the point of no return I just need it all day now
1: wow so like if you don't use it your lips get super
0: chapped I'll be dead in two seconds I can't go to the gym without chapstick I'll buy one at the gas station I'm way to the gym really yeah <laughs> no joke
1: and when did that start
0: prison prison yeah. chapstick yeah it's crazy i was always told to like keep something in your hand for mm-hmm. fighting too so like literally chapstick is the perfect thing in prison mm-hmm. and then just literally became addicted to using chapstick too so mm-hmm. it worked out perfect
1: why would you keep something in your hand for fighting because it like
0: yeah it makes your hand a rock
1: make your if you put something in yeah, that, right? just
0: this chapstick bro you hit someone with this chapstick in your hand it, it's you're different 10 times harder of a punch really? than just a regular fist yeah interesting yep
1: so you're from arizona
0: born and raised in arizona yeah
1: what's arizona like
0: Arizona's the best state in the country, if you ask me. You know, it's uh, it's California without the California. <laughs> California without the California. Literally, it's all the good part of yeah. minus California, except it gets hot in the summertime. But, yeah, I love mm-hmm. Arizona.
1: That's cool. What was growing up like for you?
0: So, growing up with me was, dude, I had I had one of the, the greatest childhoods. You know, like, um, definitely no reason to ever end up in prison. You know, like, mm-hmm. I grew up in a cul-de-sac with, um, I think there was 10 houses there, and every house had kids on it. So, like, we just played sports in the streets every single day as mm-hmm. kids. You know, both my parents were together until I was like ten years old. And what was so weird is I remember them they got in like one fight in the kitchen. But mm-hmm. props to my parents, they never like fought in front of me or anything like that. And I'm just remember they got in one big ass fight in the kitchen. And then like the next day they're just like I remember they talked to me, and my little brother, and like, hey, just so you know, we're we're splitting up and I remember saying, like, you guys after one fight you're going to break up and they're like trust <laughs> me it was more than one fight you just
1: only seen one fight yeah and like literally
0: the way they put me together they told me that like if they get they're just taking a break right now and if they get back together mm-hmm. they'll get me a, they'll get a limousine so we can ride in a limousine for their wedding thing so mm-hmm. i was like all right i'm like all i'm doing is my hopes so they so weren't I'm, married yet they were married but that's they said that they were just splitting but they were actually mm-hmm. divorcing and then if they got back together though then we'd they'd get a limousine for us and stuff mm-hmm. you know so i was like i had my hopes set that they were just taking a little break and i was going to get this limousine ride and uh, mm-hmm. that never happened my dad actually uh, Only child? No, I got one little brother who's 18 months oh, younger yeah, yeah. than me. Yeah. So I'm 38 right now. He's 36. And um, you know, my dad was a drug addict, alcoholic, and um my mom finally had enough and left with nothing. You know, like mm-hmm. we, when she left him, we, you know, stayed at a studio apartment with me, her and my little brother. And I shared a bed with my mom and um, my little brother slept in the other bed. If we couldn't sleep together We so we would fight, you know? And- um, work,
1: And then did you stop being close to your dad at that point?
0: Yeah. So. I was kind of, I'm a mama's boy, you know? So I like mm-hmm. took my mom's side and everything and just I like, kind of stayed with her. And, you know, it's always clicking because me and my dad have like the weirdest relationship now. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of, now every time I talk about it now, I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh shit, maybe that's why he is the way he is towards me now, you know? Him and my brother just had a different relationship. Me, me and my mom were close. My brother kind of like took his side and I mm-hmm. took my mom's side. And, um, you know, I can manipulate my mom. You know, my dad doesn't play that shit. My dad's a hard ass. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, I I stayed there for, less supervision i got to Mm -hmm. pretty much do whatever the hell i wanted and not to mention that i I was kind of mad at my dad you know even though my mom left him she told me you know it's his fault so i was like kind of resentful at my dad
1: Mm -hmm. what was
0: it like did you start getting into trouble after that so i didn't start getting in trouble after that i kind of started hanging out with a little bit of a wrong crowd but not like not doing drugs and crazy stuff just like the you know the the popular troublemakers in school, you know, nothing crazy, still all played sports, but like, I always say like this, I was like the dude that played sports that like my coach every time would like be like, yo, you gotta get your grades up, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, I was an athlete. And and, um, those are the kids I hung out with and it, everything changed freshman year of high school though, for me, you know, my mom at this time was a flight attendant now and my grandma and her had um, moved in to kind of keep a little bit better supervision on me. So my grandma had actually bought a house Mm -hmm. and you know, I stayed there and she was a flight attendant. So like my house was a party house on the weekends and freshman year of high school, we were, I wasn't even driving yet. This was the weekend everything changed for me. And my old best friend who come in full circle, who is the person I ended up going to prison for robbing. But you know, he asked me to take one for the team and hook up with this chick, Ashley Chance. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, poor, poor literally man. no joke. And I'm a freshman the time, I'm still a virgin. And she's one of the chicks that like lost her virgin like sixth, seventh grade. Um, <laughs> Could have had it any day I wanted. Never wanted to, but I was like, I was like, fine, whatever. So, they sneak out of their like bedroom window, like we're kids, you know. So her older brother got us a big bottle of Jack Daniels. He's a junior in school, and we're freshmen. And snuck them through the window, and then comes and drops them off at my house. It's me and Brandon there with the bottle of Jack Daniels at like probably twelve, twelve thirty or something, right? Mm-hmm. So like that Saturday night, we go through it, and drink half the bottle of Jack Daniels. I lose my virginity. He loses his virginity, just like we had talked about. They go back, sneak out at like four o'clock in the morning, sneak back in, everything, everything's cool. Talk all day Saturday. Saturday night comes around, we do the exact same thing. We polish off the second bottle of Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. Now I've had sex twice in my life. And they do the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday, I remember, like, we go to call. I go to call them, like, to just, like, chill, see what was going on, on Sunday. And, like, the chick Lindsay was, like, really short with me. It was, like, weird. And then she was, like, I was, like, and I told him like, yo, why are you being short with me? And she, like, said she was mad at me. And I'm, like, for what? And she's, like, you know why? And I'm like. No, what do you mean? We just hung out the past two days. I have no idea what you're talking mm-hmm. about. I ended up getting annoyed. And I hang up. and I was like, whatever. These bitches are stupid. And go home that night. And my mom's on the phone with Ashley's mom. And the next thing, you know, I hear my mom say, there's no way my son raped your daughter. And I was like, grab the phone. And my mom's saying, hang up. I'm like, what the hell is that? She's like, that's Ashley Chance's mom. She says like, you had sex while she was sleeping in our house. And I was like, no, not even close. Mm-hmm. Bam, cops come over to my house. And I'm like, you are like, oh, like what the? F-? To me, I'm like, what the hell just happened? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, and cops question me. They're like, will you take a lie detector test? I'm like, absolutely. They, I consent to do whatever the hell they want. Lie detector mm-hmm. test, anything the hell you guys want.
1: And which blows my mind because I was talking to someone the other day, and they were saying that cops do use lie detector tests. And I was like, do they? Because they just asked me, didn't use, I, They didn't give me one. They yeah, asked I should, me I'd use maybe them. They, just were they gave
0: her one though. She failed, and she says she wouldn't take or she didn't want to press charges. So she did take one. Yeah, and she didn't want to press charges. Um, and then they did like a rape kit on her and they saw that like she had sex but like nothing was damaged down there. So like clearly it wasn't, nothing was forced. Mm-hmm. And um, so that nothing happened with the police, but that next day, you know, I go to school and it's like, I go from being like the dude in high school to like the biggest mm-hmm. enemy on the entire campus. Like they end up having like, no joke, locked the school down that day call them in the principal's office with the police officer there and call my parents and was like yo your son's like we can't even keep him safe here like they've gotten so many like messages or i don't know you call them kites in prison i don't mm-hmm. know what the how they're yeah. called now but and they said that something bad was gonna happen to me so they locked the school down like and you know what's crazy i was talking to my wife the other day and she's like why didn't you guys like think about going to another school and i was like i don't know
1: we just like i just dropped out of school you know i was just like I mean, I know that like like as a kid, switching schools was such a big deal because like you can't switch schools because your zip code is yeah, and there wasn't open enrollment back then wasn't too. Open enrollment. So you just dropped out.
0: So I dropped out of school. It's crazy. I went to like your this mom was cool with that. So no, I, I went to this night school at first, and it was like dude, I'm 15 years old, and we have this night school. You go four days a week, mm-hmm. from like 3:30 p.m. until 8:30 p.m., and you get smoke breaks. And it's like, I'm 15 years old. Like we get smoke breaks and shit with mm-hmm. this place. So I like, I go, then I get like seven credits, just like cheat my whole way through like the little computer class mm-hmm. they have. And by that time I met so many like other dudes in this in this school that are not, like, not there for good reasons. Mm-hmm. And sophomore I don't go. I don't go back to school and I'm just like straight on the streets full time now.
1: What happened with Ash- Ashley Chance?
0: Um, nothing. Did
1: she ever come out and say anything?
0: Nothing happened to it. And then come to find out, she did this to another dude afterwards, and mm-hmm. sent him to prison, and then recanted her statement two years after the dude was in prison. Oh man! Yeah, so she's the biggest piece of trash on earth. Her her her, her actually last name is actually Green, G R E E N E, and um she's actually in recovery out here in Arizona too. Well, maybe we'll interview her. <laughs> yeah. Right. So how does it feel to pull a fake fake rape on
1: somebody? Uh twice. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, so very, um, yeah, there should be like a real law. Yeah. Against like. Because there's been so many NFL players. Well, there, and there's no punishments for them. Yeah, same and thing happened to Kobe. Like, it's all the same stuff. Yeah, like, dude, it's like you ruined his whole legacy and now his name is tainted through all What's this What's that shit? dude,
0: that baseball player, dude? Um, there's a dude that's going through the, the Los Angeles Dodgers where that chick just completely oh, set the, him up recently. The underage girl. Yeah, just, yeah,
1: it's, and there's no punishment for them. That's why it keeps it's happening. crazy. Yeah, there should definitely be like five years minimum. If you For get sure. Caught. So then,
0: yeah, I went to, I started getting involved with drugs, you know, like I'm like instantly like gave up on God, gave up on life mm-hmm. and I'm like, what the hell? Like, why would this happen to me? You know?
1: What type of drugs were you doing?
0: Meth. So, and I got introduced to meth. Like literally my buddy told me it was a fun party drug. He's like, just mm-hmm. trust me. You'll love it. And I'm like, what the, I don't know. So I went from like, I, you know, I'd smoke weed and drank and that was it. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. a, I was a jock and i'd never even not only seen meth i never even like seen a person on meth like i don't even mm-hmm. know what the hell this drug is you know like i'm still like you hear like the glass or the crystal meth they mm-hmm. call it and mm-hmm. i'm like so he tells them, i was like ah, whatever screw it you know so i do it in that first week and i do i smoke crack did crystal what? meth yeah everything at the same time the first weekend mm-hmm. and this was like just a regular week you, you guys. meth or snorted it i smoke smoked meth it. And then we, I actually even ate like a capsule. Like you put in like <laughs> a pair of, I was gone. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then smoked crack that weekend. And that was just like a regular weekend for these guys. They did that shit every weekend. And mm-hmm. I get involved, in, you know, stealing cars. Because by this time now, I'm like, I get no money from my m- mom. Like mm-hmm. she's, I'm on the outs with her. Don't really talk to my dad. So I'm like full on in the streets, like support myself. So we just like what stealing. What drugs did you favorite the most? Meth. I did meth, meth. every day, all day. Yeah.
1: Wow. Uh, what, was it, what was stealing cars like? Like how would you steal
0: them? Dude, it's crazy. We would go to the gym a lot of times. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. like I wasn't like a big car thief, but the only cars we stole like were sick ass cars. Mm-hmm. And um, what we would do is like we'd <laughs> go to LA Fitness, the gyms back there were open twenty four hours back then. Take people's keys. No, we'd go in there with the with the gym bag with bolt cutters in our gym bag, and then just go in there popping locks in the gym and just jacking wallets and cars, mm-hmm. and go out and hit the car thing and find out which car you were taking home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, but even then, we wouldn't even. We were so dumb. I would steal that car because like, I wouldn't have a car to drive like for, cause I was a kid, you mm-hmm. know? So like, I'm just mobbing this car around every day. Not even like, I wasn't like a car thief selling, selling, it, selling uh, I was, it for if I had a stolen car, I was mobbing that car around every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Like just, just putting different license plates on it and stuff like that. So yeah, I was stealing cars just so I had a car to drive. And then what happened with uh, your addiction? It get worse and worse. It got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And then, so what ended up sending me to prison, um, we're at my mom's house, you know, and it turned into, from like it was the party house you know like she was out of town on the weekends it was like the party house and then it turned into you know when I was 18 years old it's like we'd be in my room with the door with the door closed smoking meth you know and my brother would be out there like to party with his friends and I remember it was the weekend that this happened you know my brother and his friends happened to come you know in the room and one of his friends tells us that they had just robbed the Nelson's house. And it's like the biggest house in all of like Phoenix two kids you're seeing it's like fifteen thousand square foot, like ridiculous, right? Those those are the kids. Mm-hmm. And um and they were like they're in Hawaii for a week and they'd already went and robbed the house. I'm like, shut up. I'm like the back door's open. I was like, All right, cool. So I'm like, play it cool. I'm like, when you guys leave, we're going back to the house. Mm-hmm. And when my brother and them did it, they had told him too, they're like the only requirement was like, do not tell Peter that we did this, you know, which is mm-hmm. because they knew what we'd go do. So we go back to the house and bro, I bullshit you not. I don't even make it out of the garage. I take a drill, a snowboard, some Jordan basketball shorts and Jordan sandals. And I'm trying to tweak it out, trying to get this. He had a W7 in his M3. I was trying to get the sub out of the thing. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't even get out of the car, out of the garage. And by this time my buddy comes running down and he's like, we got the jewelry. And like, we smash out and then get to my house. And I'm not joking, he pulls out a bag of jewelry. like. Mm-hmm and i'm a little petty like literally a petty thief bro like i don't like this is like my drug dealer can't even buy this shit you know he doesn't (laughs) have money like this i'm like what the hell are we gonna do with all this and even kind of right then i was like dude we screwed up big time this time you know i mean like i kind of thought that and i couldn't even do anything with the jewelry you know like Mm -hmm. literally i didn't even know where the hell to go with the stuff i sold like a laptop and some other shit and, and then two days later like i i get woken up to like microphones and SWAT teams at my house for like a literally a theft. It was a burglary charge. Mm-hmm. But there was 10 kids involved. Of course, I didn't say shit. And all the other kids tried to blame it all on me. And they threw the book in me brought and gave me 12 years in prison for a non-dangerous burglary charge at 18 years old. It's crazy.
1: So hang on. So there was this mansion, basically. And then some kids had robbed it.
0: Yep, five kids had already robbed it, and I'd already got spotted there too by the neighbors.
1: What did they? What did the first group of kids take? They took a bunch of
0: like PlayStation games, and they said change DVDs, just like a bunch of dumb nothing stuff. crazy. Nothing crazy.
1: Then you and your friends go back. Now you guys actually take like substantial stuff, but not even you.
0: But my friend took three hundred thirty thousand dollars for the jewelry. Um, yeah, it was so it was a lot of jewelry, and that's just what they had sitting in their house. That's not even what they were wearing. So, yeah, he took all that. And, of course, what does he do? Tells the cops that I did it. Tells the cops where the jewelry's hidden because they didn't have the jewelry. We had it hidden. And he got two and a half years, and I got 12 for not saying nothing. That's crazy. Yep. Uh, But the dude's in prison right now for his fourth time. He's back in prison. Right now for
1: the fourth time. Wow. Yep. Yeah, it still blows my mind. So, this is your first offense?
0: I just got arrested at 18 years old for stealing... um, I'd actually robbed a Mercedes Benz dealership, brand new. Mm-hmm. I just stole a, you know, Gone in sixty seconds came on. They said those Mercedes were unstealable. I was like, I'm on a fucking shit. I can steal one of those cars. You stole one from so listen, the this We'd just be driving around, just just uh-huh. literally looking to jack all night long, right? So uh-huh. I, I had bolt cutters, and we happened to drive by the Mercedes Benz of Chandler, it's the big Mercedes Benz dealership right on the freeway.
1: I told you I have an Eleanor. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, no, I know. And so I saw they had the they had the lock boxes still on the windows that mm-hmm. night, and they were closed, so which means the keys are in them. So I'm like, no freaking way. So I happen to go up there and... Just it, like the movie. <laughs> yeah, literally, bro. So like, you know, that it's a little metal clip that goes inside the window. So I literally take the bowl cutters and I cut the metal clip off the thing. I get to the very last one and I break the window. But anyways, I clip it off and now I have this lockbox. So bam, we smash out of my car. And I go to this, it's a Mormon church, like a mile from there. That's like right by my high mm-hmm. school. And I take the lockbox and I just slam it on the ground like five or six times and bam, two Mercedes keys pop out. And it's a little red laser cut keys, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Holy shit. So then we go back to, and I take the bolt cutters and it has the big swinging gates to, to close off the dealership, you know? Mm-hmm. So then I cut the chain off the big swinging gate. No mask or gate. anything. I you. had a fucking paintball mask on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the only thing I had. Okay. So back then people didn't wear masks, you know? So I was wearing a paintball mask and a beanie. So we'd get the big swinging gates off this thing and push it out. And then bam, I smash out, drive off on a brand new 85,000 on Mercedes. So the plastic on the seats. Lojack had just came out. Mm-hmm. Don't even know what Lojack is. And so I go take it by this time. It's like already getting to be morning time. By the time I had got the car, it was like five in the morning, and the time of the sun had just started. What did to come you feel up. like? Did you feel like a god? Yeah, I felt untouchable. Are you on meth? Yeah, straight up on meth. <laughs> I felt untouchable, right? And it's got this first car that had like the screens <laughs> in it. Like I'm like, dude, you can't touch me. You know what I mean? So what do I do? I pull up to high school. I want to go show the dudes that I just dropped out of school. Like how cool I'm now. You know, I just stole a brand new Mercedes. You know, and you guys are sitting in school. You know, who's coolers? Yeah, 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 right. Who's cool now? So I pull up and I'm like thinking I'm gonna get like a cool reaction. My brother's like, what the fuck are you doing like get the hell out of here like and i'm like you don't like the car you know and mm-hmm. he's like you're an idiot like get out of here and everyone's just like instead of like people like impressed people they were just like what the hell like you know the, even my little brother's friend's like dude your brother's crazy you know mm-hmm. and um so i leave and i go park it at the church like right up the street and as i park it at the church there's a church right there and there's a big four-way stop sign and I park the car and I go to get out and I can see at this stop sign just trucks just bailing through the stop sign and they come up like on the rocks like right over the curb Mm -hmm. and not one of them's a police car like truck trucks and then dudes come jumping out with guns I mean I'm like at first I thought literally I thought I was getting jacked or something I was like and then I see cops like oh my God, these are undercovers. I was like, holy shit. So I get down like this mm-hmm. and that's when they tell me they had low jack, they were following me the entire time. Oh no. <laughs> Just waiting for me to park the car. So
1: that was your first arrest.
0: So that was my first arrest. I get out, I do 90 days in jail on probation and I get out and then two months after that we burglarize this house and bam, they gave him through my way for 12 years. Crazy. Yeah, And then I went, so yeah, I went away. How 18.
1: long was the court, appear- a court back and forth before so you I was sentenced. in
0: the, that's the thing, I was in the county jail for almost two years straight. So I went in at 18 years old. I did 20 months in the county jail and I didn't get into prison what are
1: those just so people know county jail is not county jail is the worst it's like yeah I know people that have told me like, I'd rather do two years in prison yeah than one year the year thing, in prison county.
0: sucks because you know you're not getting out you know but like but they make it more comfortable for you because you're in there forever, you know? Mm-hmm. Like county jail, you, you don't get a TV, you don't get nothing. You get one set of clothes, mm-hmm. two meals a day. Like, the
1: people that are in there are like so rambunctious because they're yeah, getting out. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. And it's like literally two meals a day and it's just like the commentary is so expensive. Like county jail is the worst. So yeah, like when I did almost two years or especially like a non-dangerous crime, like nobody was in there that long. So mm-hmm. like when I got to prison, like even though I got 12 years, like I was like, dude, get me to a prison. yard, finally get me out of this place. But on my sentencing day, you know, I was supposed to get three and a half. They said I was going to get three and a half to six years. My Lord, What's homeless, going through your head? Like, what's... what? So at this... Going through my head at sentencing, I'm like, thank God I'm finally going to prison. You know what I'm saying? I got a year and a half back time. If I get three and a half years, I'm out mm. in like a year. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like this. I'll probably be out when I'm 21 years old, you know? I could not wait to get sentenced to get out of the jail, you know? <clears throat>
1: Public defender?
0: No, I had a street lawyer too. Okay. And what's crazy is, so my lawyer ran for the attorney general for Arizona. So I think it was part of the judge getting back at him. He just lost the election. And like, I just had such a weird case. I think there was just so much shit that like went on behind the scenes in my case. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason thing that makes sense. So I remember my sensing, like we were so excited to get sentencing. I'd been trying forever. I had a lawyer that died in my case. So I had to hire another lawyer. And so I go there and you know, you're all chained up in a jury box. And when you get there, your lawyer comes and talks to you. And especially if you're getting sent, like those are like the big dates. Cause a lot of people just have regular hearings. They know mm-hmm. they're just going home that, or going back to the jail that day. We get there, my lawyer won't come near me. And I'm like, this time I'm like kind of freaking out. So I kind of like, like whip my chains, you know, just like tell him like, get your ass over here, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on, bro? And he's like, so in my settlement conference, the lawyer, let me backtrack a little bit. I was in it for 20 months. And then the final settlement conference, you know what settlement conference is? It's like you go to final mediation right before you go to trial. So it's where they put you in a courtroom with another judge and your just the prosecuting attorney, your lawyer, if there's a victim there and another judge. And they're literally saying like, figure out like mediation somehow, figure out how to settle this case before it goes to trial. That's where you're gonna get your best offers and all that stuff. They still didn't change my plea, but she had said, "Well, I said, okay, if you recommend the minimum, now they had charged my mom, my dad, and my grandma with my crimes. They were trying to get me to sign this plea. and I was like, no. And I was the only one that wore fingerprints. I I didn't wasn't seen there. So I I honestly think I could have beat it in trial. Mm -hmm. The only thing I had was people's statements against me that were Mm -hmm. did it themselves. Um. So I finally tell them drop the charges against my mom, my dad, and my grandma, and I'll sign the same plea bargain. They never changed my plea. And the prosecutor says, okay, I'll drop the charge against and him. It's if supposed to the be plea. two to six years? It's supposed to be three and a half to six, to six or 6.5 years. Mm-hmm. And like the minimum was like three and a half years. Wait,
1: what are the victims doing at this point? The I, victims I think... don't
0: even want me in prison. Like oh. they're a good Mormon family. We grew up with the kids. We had like a kind of beef. So like the victims are not even against me or anything at, at all. Wow. 100%. Which is even crazier about the whole thing because because
1: i thought they were crazy and like this kid needs to learn a lot that's
0: how they that's the only way that would make sense they weren't yeah. like that at all like they they even wrote a letter on my behalf afterwards i got the victims to write a letter on my clemency date saying they wanted me out of prison and they didn't let me out after like 10 years of my clemency hearing anyway so um i signed that plea bargain and then i go in there for my sentencing date and she mm-hmm. remember she's supposed to rec- recommend the minimum it's not it's the only court hearing that doesn't have a court reporter because it's just a private meeting with you guys. Knowing now I should have had it recorded or had it put in the plea bargain. She said she's recommending the minimum. I didn't, I just took her for her word. We go in on sentencing in front of a different judge now. And she asked for 13 years, just literally lied straight to my face and asked for 13 years now, 100%. So my lawyer, when I asked him like, what's going on? He like points to this, he's like, read this. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. It's a stack of paperwork, like this big. And he's like, it shows right there. She's asking for 13 years. And I was like, she said the minimum. He's like, I know, but now she's going back on her word. And I'm like.
1: This is the state prosecutor?
0: At this, and this is my lawyer now talking about the state prosecutor. Though. And this talk, is on yeah, my sentencing. Like, yeah, about yep. the and I'm like, th- and so I'm like this. Uh, I don't even know what's going on. Like, literally I have no clue what's going on, you know. Just literally sitting there shaking, you know. So then they do the whole sentencing. And I remember, dude, like it was yesterday. The judge is like, I find it, and mitigated means a minimum sentence. And he goes, I find it mitigated. Um, because of the fact that you're only 18 years at the time you committed this crime. He goes, I also find it mitigated because I think that you have a drug problem rather than a theft problem. But he goes, but I also find it aggravated because the amount of jewelry that was stolen. He goes, so I think this calls for an aggravated sentence of 12 years, just like that. And I'm like, did he just say 12 years? And I didn't even think that was possible. Like I thought the most i gave give was six years. And I'm like, and I go from like bawling my eyes out to like shock, like I'm not even crying. And the next thing you know, I hear my grandma like, Wailing, bloody murder, like screaming that she wants to hug me because I'm gonna because she's gonna be dead now by the time I get out, you know. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened to my life, you know? And uh, damn, and uh, damn it, I get back and I'm just like get on the phone like with my little brother who's like you know 16, 17 at the time, and I'm just like, do I feel bad. I'm, like I've never coming home feels like you know, mm. and. Uh, but life's my perspective and we talked earlier it's like yeah. and that's why i had to tell myself like just imagine those fucking people that are in here that are innocent you know and mm-hmm. i'm like how am i going away for to-? you know i was like what am i like i felt bad for what i did my little brother you know and um you know you just and then you go to prison it's just
1: like fucking your life's over you don't care about shit like i
0: did i gave up on god like
1: Did you believe in God up until that point? Like, were you praying the whole time? I was, I I did believe in God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did believe in God and I prayed every night,
0: but I wasn't 100% sure if that makes sense. Like, I thought God was real, but like, I could have been convinced otherwise. And I didn't like give it too much thought to try and fight it. But like, I just, it was kind of cool to believe in something. So I did believe in God.
1: It's like wearing your seatbelt, but like, you don't think you're going to cry. For
0: sure. Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. it's like, and then when I got to prison, I always tell people this, like, I probably believe in God 5%. But I still when prayed you went every to night. Prison? Yeah, but I still prayed every night because I my mindset then was like, I don't think this dude's real, but just in case he's real, I need all the help I can get. Now
1: I'm just curious, are you praying to a Christian God or are you praying to just like a God?
0: Just a God. Okay. So I grew up like Catholic, but I don't know. Like we went to mm-hmm. Christian or Catholic, but I don't I just I just knew God and that's who I prayed to. Um so then I'm I'm in there at prison, I prayed every night just because I was like, I oh, shit, I need all the help I can get, you know. But like I didn't believe in that him at all and mm-hmm. I was like just angry and bitter and so mean and you know i was like a i was six foot 144 pounds i got locked up i was a little pretty boy you know i was in a movie as a kid i like, had a modeling agent when i was 13 like <laughs> really? yeah like i did not look like this so like you know i I whooped some big dudes' asses, and then I was like started getting some respect. But like at first, I didn't. But well, people this. tried you. Oh yeah, and I didn't find this out until I first. They thought, they thought I was gay when I first hit the yard. You know, and they didn't tell me until I whooped the dude one of my building's ass. Like that's what they told me. Like, damn, we thought you were gay. We didn't know you had that in you. <laughs> I was like, What's you thought I was gay? Like, like why would you say something? Like, but I'm thinking I'm like no, I'm tough from where I'm from. You know, like I don't know, like I'm new to these. Like these dudes <laughs> thought I was literally gay. You know, but I had long blonde hair. You know what I mean. <laughs> and it's wait fun. wait wait what was the first fight over and why so it's, so I, the, my first fight I actually beat up the dude running my building and so it's funny it's like and he's doing
1: that, we, so it's so prison's so different so yeah. is this
0: pods? i'm in
1: dorms at this dorms. point yep so i is should this, have went on is a, it m-
0: like a pod so it's like a it's like a big square right so there's like they call them six packs so it's like a little cubicles with like walls like this high okay so it's not cells nope okay so i started on a three yard um, I would have been a minimum yard because of, I, it was a non-dangerous crime but you you have to have five years of under to undergo to minimum yard so then I go to three yard, which is like there's still lifers there but it's it's the lowest that lifers can go and it's not cell living so it's you're in dorms right mm-hmm. so you can shower What's and on stuff in the beginning I like dorms in the end when I got institutionalized I like cells crazy right but seriously like, when you're a shot call and you're running yards it's a it's a headache. Like, sometimes, like, I would, like, after record wreck, I'd be like, dude, please get me my myself so I can close it up so I don't have to talk any more yard politics or any more drug fiend dope debts. Or, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Something like that. So, um, so yeah, anyway, so he lays, he runs the rules down to me, you know, and he's like, and he tells me straight up, like, do you know why they called a sucker punch in prison? Do you know why? Because you're the sucker if you get punched. <laughs> so he's like, so if you even think you're to get into it, then you just take off on him? And I was like, "That's allowed, you know." I'm like, "They're just making." Wait, sure. who's
1: Who, breaking down the rules? The, the guy? dude running
0: the building that I end up doing that to.
1: Okay, so he's breaking. He's basically telling you. Tell me all the rules, you know, and then he's prison like, politics. "School,
0: yeah, prison politics, school." And like I'm a straight fish, like straight kid, don't know shit about. No prison. one told
1: you anything in these two years in jail? Like kind
0: of a little bit, but I was in a minimum security jail, so those guys hadn't even been in prison. You know what gotcha. I'm saying? Like I'm in a minimum security jail, where those guys hadn't even got DOC numbers themselves. Because if you go to if you have a DOC number, you go to medium security.
1: Gotcha. So I'm, I'm gonna, thinking, like, dude, in two years, aren't you like? about to get like to school this whole time no so no. i was i was
0: running those pods at eighteen nineteen, but it's just because i was there you know none of those dudes know prison <laughs> for so long yeah that was it wow yeah so it's completely okay. different uh-huh. and then so okay, he tells, wait
1: wait so he tells you um
0: he tells you about the sucker punch he tells about the sucker punch all the other stuff you know you got to be awake by 10 o'clock like it runs the all the little yard politics stuff down to me you know and i'm like i'm really good at like i, I pride myself on, like one of the one of my greatest attributes i feel like is like that i'm really good at like catching vibes like, i can read people you know so like I could tell real quick into my sins, and none of those guys really messed with me. Didn't know it till after they thought I was gay, but like mm-hmm. I could just tell no one really cared of two shits about me, and they kind of stayed away from me, you know. And I heard like you know stories about people getting heart checks and stuff, you know, like where it's like you know they'll mess you just to see if you're about your shit, if mm-hmm. you know. And, and you then, stand on the board. yeah, just stand up for yourself, yeah. And um, and I just had a dude that had came from county jail that had a DOC number. I met him like a visitation one day, right? And then he became my cellie. So if, now I'm like trying to like look kind of cool. And i already didn't like the dude running my building we, we ended up living side by side and he was just a grumpy ass old dick you know and I, I didn't like him and he didn't like little young gangster youngsters like me that listen to rap music and shit because i was frowned upon and um
1: listening to rap music was frowned upon
0: yeah like you really aren't even allowed to watch BET and stuff as a boy. white boy yeah um on minimum security yards you can but not any of the higher yards mm-hmm. and um so he t- we're playing cards one day and there's nowhere to play cards like you play in in someone's six-pack someone's the you know back of the seats in your little house you just deal with it and he like says something about us like playing cards right there and then they, we have to stop because the cops in to do count time you know and i tell myself i'm like dude if this dude says something about us playing cards again here i'm just gonna light this dude up you know and i was like i was kind of looking for someone to like try and pick a fight with just so, like at least pick they could yourself. see i was tough you know mm-hmm. yeah. and right just like clockwork bro like we go there and he says something about us being in his house and i like you know kind of say something back to him like deal with it and <laughs> As dumb as he is, though, he literally says, like, you little young punks you need to respect your elders. So, like, for one, you can't you told me you can't call nobody a punk, so you're gonna call me a punk and then turn your back on me. So he says that and then turns around to take the chew out of his mouth. So as he's like taking the chew out of his mouth, I clocked that dude. I'm just on him, like just beat the brakes mm-hmm. off the dude in like two seconds, you know? So then come pull me off him and we end up getting Were you tough at that point? I've been tough. I was just, okay. you know, I was 160 Skinny? pounds, bro. Okay. So like I was a little kid. But though. you were so, scrappy. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And like, if you're, it's an open space, like I could that dude couldn't have whooped my ass. You know, mm-hmm. like I used to box when I was a kid too. So like okay. I I knew I could whoop that dude's ass. In a cell, it's different if he can use his size against me, <laughs> you know. But yeah, yeah, just when it's... And then especially if I'm sucker punching you, like there's no chance you, you're mm-hmm. going to fight me back if I'm sucker punching you. <laughs> um, so yeah, whoop that dude's ass. And then we get locked down that ne- next day. And then the next day when you come out to chow um, after that day of lockdown, it's like hey youngster i heard what you did hey youngster I heard what you did you know and then they're like hey do you want the building and i'm like well, what do you mean do i want the building i'm like been down like three weeks at this point you know mm-hmm. and like well if you whoop the dudes ass, who's running the building you know like we got to give you, get you a shot it. if you want the building whatever and i'm like i'm like okay but i don't even really know the rules you know and they kind of told me like well the dude next to us will like he'll make sure you're just running down the rules he goes it's gonna say it's your building and they were kind of like they could tell right then they want to like put me on the program with them mm-hmm. you know and then you know then the dude running the yard now wants to talk to me so then they tell me like hey boss man wants to talk to you over here and just so like you see someone in the movies runs he's the
1: yard and there's someone who runs the building yep
0: yep and then there'll be someone that runs each run on a building you know and then when you run a building you appoint that okay so like each person so that's why when you're running the yard, like you can't run every single building and every single dorm it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't sleep you know so mm-hmm. it's like when i'm talking like there's yard drama at the end it's like i'm just hearing it from like dudes running buildings so if i'm coming out to coming out to chow now finally the dude running building three might be telling me what he's got going on over there and i have to make a call over there and then the also when i'm walking by building two then the yeah, guy from building two might want to know some shit you know so it's like those are just you're running stuff from the dudes running your building so just imagine if you had to run every single dorm yourself you couldn't do it so yeah you'll point someone in charge of every single run down to the building mm-hmm. and um so and, and it's just like you see in the movies you know like the dude wants me to go talk he's at a rec table all by himself with his little soldiers right there you know and he asks me like if i want to like click up and put in work and I'm like, I don't know what that means, but probably, you know, and I was like, mm-hmm. what does that mean? You know? And um he tells her, I was like, oh yeah. I was like, and I told him like straight up, like the only thing I'm not down to do is like I'm not down to do no kamikaze shit. Like I won't kill nobody right in front of the police. That's what I told him. But mm-hmm. I was like, I'll do anything else you guys want. And you know, I've if there was a mission ran in the yard and I was on the yard, I was doing it, you know, and mm-hmm. i would like just made a name for myself. And then I went to, you know, the first four yard and, you know, I pull a property officer so I'm in a, like a relationship with a corrections officer at like mm-hmm. 23 years old and I'm running a four year now at like bro it was like people still talk about what I did on that four year to this day out here in Arizona mm-hmm. I was like I was drinking promethazine with syrup smoking blunts on a four yard doing life mm-hmm. sentences like literally in a relationship with a corrections officer like my mom's mm-hmm. bringing food down to the cop wait
1: what do you mean a relationship with a correction like with a female officer? Yeah. Like you're in a relationship with her. Yeah. And she's bringing wow. me the
0: dope sack, like cell phones, like everything, bro. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm serious. My mom would come to visit me that weekend. My mom would like cook up a whole plate of food and go drop it off at her house. And then she'd bring me in my own food every day for, mm-hmm. from, from the streets. I'm like, I got, I get to bring my homies out of their cells just to come up and chill. Like I had a lieutenant <laughs> that was crooked on the team there. Like mm-hmm. it was a crazy, sh- it was like some shit you see in the movies. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of what got my, gave my name, like a lot, of, a lot of status in the Arizona prison system.
1: And you're still trapping?
0: yeah yeah that's why at first i hated the name chappy and then after a while when i was like when chappy did that i was like oh i gotta go buy that shit
1: now you know what i'm saying so then i liked it <laughs> wait wait, wait. so now you're not on meth you're on promethazine mm-hmm. are you addicted to promethazine no we you're just only doing, doing it whenever i'm doing you can. heroin
0: more than anything yeah like really? just doing whatever bro like yeah but i, I my point was that like I had anything brought up we wanted delivered in. Like mm-hmm. my boy, like I didn't even know what syrup was, but my buddy had just came mm-hmm. back to the joint and he was like telling me about. It. I was like, "Oh shit!" I'm like, "Bro, if you send it to her house, mm-hmm. I'll get it brought in." Like, there's no mm-hmm. questions asked. I just don't even know what the shit is. So, like, mm-hmm. I remember the day she dropped off. She come to pop my cell door. Like, literally, it comes like this. So, like, when you order like property, like your own state paid property, it comes in like a brown, uh, a brown bag with like a little receipt on it. Mm-hmm. So she comes, and says, "Hey," comes drops me off like the cop to my cell drops off a brown bag which is like it's supposedly a shirt and it's like two bottles of Promethazine, promethazine with syrup. It was like an ounce of weed. I think I had brought in like some of my buddy's like wife's underwear for him because he wanted some of his girl's underwear mm-hmm. or something to keep in his cell for him and shit like that. And like she'd bring that in every day and the next day she'd bring me in another ounce of weed and like
1: when- Now I, are you making money in there selling it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you're giving it to her? I mean not giving it to her but she's holding it for you? To be honest bro I did it her so dusty. I didn't even mm-hmm. pay that chick a dollar yeah she just
0: did it out of love for me Mm -hmm. that was it i didn't and i
1: but is she holding your money no
0: you had green dots bro so back then like green they still have green dots now they're like prepaid credit cards okay so i have a that's why cell phones are so big in prison so i have a cell phone i have my own green dot card or something like that or Mm -hmm. i'd send or i'd send money to my brother my mom or something like that but like i have my own credit card so it's like you have your own bank in there you know so like if you want to buy a quarter gram of heroin off me then you're going to give me a green dot card and i'm going to load it on my cell phone to my green dot card i have like a loaded credit card in prison on a four year
1: damn yeah that's pretty that's pretty legit <laughs> that's yeah crazy. it was crazy <laughs> it's crazy to think about because it's so funny when you see um people like with those videos of prison and like yeah. do they got they're making like Benny yeah same turkey. type of shit yeah. they got like papa john's for sure they have like a wristwatch they have like one of those little phones yeah it's what crazy was your phone you like get. You had a nice phone? No, so well I thought it was nice. So it was like the little
0: literally the straight flip phones that are free at the gas yes. station. <laughs> and what's crazy, I was at a visitation with my brother, I was talking to my brother, because uh-huh. dude, you gotta remember when I went away, we had the Nokia phones with a snake on them. And I get out we have iPhones. Mm-hmm. So I get this flip phone and it's got a color screen on it. I'm like, my brother's asked me like, what kind of phone do you even have in there? You know? And I was like, bro, it's the sickest phone. I was like, <laughs> so I'm describing him. And he's like, dude, that's the free phone you get at the gas station. I'm like, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know what I mean? He's like, bro, those are literally free out here, you know? <laughs> if you're broke, they'll give you a prepaid one. The phone's free with it, you know? I was like, oh shit, I have no idea. But those things are over $2,000 in prison.
1: Wow, yeah. two grand one in prison? Yeah, one of those prison? is two G's, bro. What's like the most sought after item in prison? Heroin, black tar for heroin, sure.
0: black tar heroin. People mm. will die for that shit in there.
1: And you're, are you addicted to heroin at the time? Yes,
0: there? yep. And I just started getting addicted to heroin when I was in that relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Um, was she doing drugs too? Or no, just not a, at all, not just her girl. Yeah, and she was, and she hated that I was on drugs and stuff. Like I told her I wasn't doing drugs <laughs> until like I got so strong on. I literally lost 50 pounds right in front mm-hmm. of her. And then it got so bad, no joke, bro. Like. And this is how bad the drugs will take you, bro. Like you know, the downward spiral does not ever stop going down. Like I get her to bring it in as a money scheme, right? That's how I propose it to her. Like Mm -hmm. she's a single mother, and like that's like I was, I did her so dusty, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm not proud of this at all. But like, so I got her. I'm selling it to her as like a money scheme. Like, bring this dope, and I'm gonna pay you so much money. Like, and we're good. You know, I don't use drugs. I'm gonna sell, and that's it. So then she starts bringing it in. I'm making money, and I'm like, I'm not. I don't want to give her no money, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm like just being stingy, so that I don't give her money. And by this time. My pops, Scotty's ass actually is uh, gets me on slamming drugs. You know what's is crazy? Most, no, Scotty, who's like my well, the only dude I call like a prison pops and kind of. But you know it's it's so crazy. So like, people in prison are just like different. So like on a on a four yard, there's a hundred people per side of the building, right? And I would say on a four yard, ninety six of those people, no joke, sh- slam heroin. Right? Mm-hmm. There's only four that don't, and the four that don't are like we're always like, it's usually like the dope dealers like or the, G, or the hustlers, you know, like the, we're just like the next level of breed to do. Well, you are know? you
1: talking about? 95% of people are, are yeah, IV s- yeah, heroin abs. Yeah,
0: slamming heroin with dirty needles and everything, right? And um, so I don't do that. I'm like snorting caps here and there, you know, but I don't even like this shit really, you know? And I remember some OGs telling me, you know, like they didn't like heroin until one day and they just loved it, you know? So I'd always have that in the back of my head kind of, you know, and like my prison pops who I was living with was like, he was a drug addict, bro. So he'd always want me to be, but, bust into my sack of heroin, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was his way, like, yo, let's do a cap, bust him out, and I'm like, bro, I don't wanna fucking keep doing heroin every day. And I remember one of the days I had told him, I was like, bro, I don't wanna start liking this shit, you know? I don't like this shit right now, and I've heard those stories, the last thing I wanna mm-hmm. do is start liking this shit. And just like clockwork, bro, I come home from work one day, and my homie that ran the Mexicans lived right by me too, and we were homies, like, I
1: ran the whites, he ran the Mexicans. You understand saying came home from work one day is a weird statement. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I came home from, in the joint, bro, but straight up, yeah. <laughs> It's just funny. It came when, home from work. It's just some people say that. Yeah, it's seriously.
1: Like, you mean back to your prison? Yeah, so. well, like a house. You call it, I call a sell a house because it is our house. You know? No, I know. But it's just, it's, it's funny when people say like... I catch myself all the time. You didn't so. go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I walked 100 feet away to another building. Yeah, right?
0: I get so, it. So, and I get back and my homie that runs the Mexicans, you know, like, we're the two ballers in the pod. Like, we always have the dope, but, you mm-hmm. know, we don't get high. And when I say get high, like, IV druggers are huge different. We don't slam dope, you know? And he's lit bro and comes over to my cell and i was like bro what the hell are you on and he's told me to just slam some heroin i was like shut up yeah right you know and he's like i swear fool and i was like why'd you do that he's like my cell he told me he's like he just got a new nurse on thing he shows me like a bundle of like literally 100 brand new needles mm-hmm. he's like he just pulled a nurse and i'm like it's tight though he's like bro it's the shit and i'm like all right, he's like, he's like, when they go to chow, now it's just stay back from chow and I'll have my celly hit you. Mm-hmm. Just like that, bro. So I go from, because this dude's not a drug addict like everybody else. So now I'm like, I'm gonna take his word for it. He's not a drug addict loser like these other guys. And until you see that dude three, four more years into his mm-hmm. sentence, you know what I'm saying? And so I stay back and I remember he shoots me up with that shit, I don't even know what the hell's going on but I just put my arm out there, he shoots me up with the shit with a brand new needle. I'm just like, you get the warm fuzzies and I'm just like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, I could do prison time like this mm-hmm. you know and pff, yeah it feels like god bang, came down, bro, and put like, his hand John. on you and
1: just gave you a kiss on the forehead yep and <laughs> it's just
0: like how did i survive without this drug in here for this long you know and bro so at first remember i wasn't slaying money so this is how i got on that story i was it was just a money scheme around i don't even do drugs mm-hmm. and i'm 240 pounds just jacked you know and by this time now at the end bro i'm like no joke 175 pounds I'm literally slamming dope in front of her. And sometimes if I didn't even have dope, like I would make her drive me to another building to go get dope, distract the cop while I'm going in the cell and shooting up in other cells. like mm-hmm. I did whatever. And it was just like, but that's how bad that shit will get you. You know what I'm saying? Because if we get locked down, I had some shit happen. I wouldn't have drugs. like I would have to do anything to get that shit. you Because know? mm-hmm. that dope sickness is, is no joke. And I, and I stayed on it up until they got me under investigation for her and they put me in the hole. Mm. And... Tch- you withdraw for two weeks straight raw oh my god dude, no worse. no the, no nothing bro you just you sit in that cell like solitary for five minutes sweating sweating how many sleeping. years like, are
1: you in there on, when, until
0: when that happens 20 so i'm 23 so i've been in five years at this point so five years i've in, only been
1: in prison three years but i've been down five years how long have you been with her we were together nine months Okay, so you guys were together nine months, and then people get suspicious of it. You get started snitching
0: on me. So what happened is all the Mexicans were snitching on me because she was a Mexican chick, and they, they bro, they would literally
1: come They'd by hate the, on you because come you're the by the then. property
0: officer and go try and get her to bring them in some shit, just because they know she is. So she would literally tell me, she would go, hey, so and so in Baker 14, just asked if I bring him in some dope, and I'm like, so then I'd go back and I would literally either. F- 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 Mm-hmm. fuck that dude up or if he was another if he was a Mexican dude, I'd let him go to the Mexican be Like, yo you have that dude s- smashed or checked mm-hmm. for like going trying to hit on my because I feel like that. that's my cop no mm-hmm. one's talked to her like that and, and that's what it is the drama then they get smashed ran off the yards so and when they get smashed what do you think they do mm-hmm. right to the police like hell Peter's fucking this cop and they just mm-hmm. smashed it because I tried it you know whatever like that so um, then they put me under investigation the whole they send her to another on, yard so
1: let me just back up yeah when you get sent to prison don't know anything about prison politics you beat up that one dude you get your own building from that point to the point that you go on the hole, what changes as a person like are you super violent at this yeah, point yep. you've totally adopted that whole lifestyle yeah can now
0: I put a little size on so i'm even bigger and i already know i'm tough and i like i'm angry as shit at god the world like everybody i'm angry at all these kids that are in there for two or three years doing drug crimes and i got 12 years like <laughs> yeah every single thing mm-hmm. i'm angry about bro like i was angry to a t and i would just look for dude i'm not joking like i used, you can ask people that are on the yard with me bro like i would literally just bump tupac like doing pull-ups like i swear to god i would walk in my fist clenched i'm just like fucking just somebody look at me fucking wrong right now mm-hmm. like that's how i'd be walking around all day how many pull ups were you able to do? Smash me pull ups. I would do more pull-ups than anybody. Like a lot of these <laughs> My my pull up routines were like famous on the yard. Bullshit. I'd do it with medicine balls, and just like I'd be screaming. How and many shit. could you just, do in
1: on one session? Oh, probably twenty five like 25? wide 25? ones good
0: easily. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably. Even right now I probably could. Okay. Yeah. And what's crazy when I started, you can't do nothing. There's nothing, I always say this, there's nothing more humbling or embarrassing than like do hitting pull-ups. a rec field and you're weighing 160 pounds, you can't even do one pull-up. And there's dudes like 240 just mashing pull-ups, yeah, you know? Doing yeah, the time, But then it really the gets you, it puts you in perspective. I was like, I was like, holy shit, I'm in here with some grown-ass men, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, funny story, I'm playing basketball, my first year i of on. And there's this brother in Spice, who's cool as shit. He lived right by me in the mm-hmm. little six-pack cubicles we talked about. And we're playing ball one day, dude. And he goes and sets a pick, bro. And I'm not joking, like I hit him and I'm like. F- <laughs> I feel like I ran into a brick wall, I like knocked the wind out of me. I like collapsed right here. And I go tell him after, I was like, brand oh, that pick you said, like he didn't even remember. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, what do you mean with a I said, I'm like, bro, you literally crumbled me. And I'm like, and I remember thinking that I'm like, holy shit. I'm in there with some grown ass dudes that are like killers. You know, Spice has mm-hmm. like 20 years. just like, like you see in the movies, dark as hell with an eight pack. like yeah. just Jack. Yeah. And
1: I'm just like, what the hell? Bro. years and years of oh, violence. Oh yeah. Straight up yeah. all that same shit. Yeah, for sure yeah it's crazy um okay so when you get sent to the hole and you're under investigation you go to you detox for two weeks Mm -hmm. what was that like
0: the worst thing in the world you know like you don't sleep i probably didn't sleep 30 minutes for two weeks you know like dope sick like cold sweats fevers can't Mm -hmm. eat like literally diarrhea shit and throwing up on yourself like literally just any every possible thing you can imagine just the worst I used to pace like dude I would wrap myself up with a sheet and I would like pace back and because you can't lay in bed you can't even watch TV you can't even focus on a TV so Mm -hmm. I would like pace back and forth i remember like it was to this day like I would, it's one and a half steps i would go one and a half steps like this and i would bang my shoulder on this wall and then i'd go one and a half steps backwards like this and bang my shoulder on this wall and that's how big your cell is like one i'll do that for just hours and hours and hours and hours all throughout the night and everything bro and then you hit the yard and after a month because you're in each investigation is a month long and after a month now, i'm just barely starting to sleep right and feel normal mm-hmm. so like i'm still got the itch in my head like dude i still want to go get a like a you know mm-hmm. get, get high and like get one good night of sleep and just feel right again you know and like so then they put me on a then i go to the another four yard and what i do right there now i'm a drug addict bro so now i'm on the yard like looking for drugs you know and then it's just a period of time before i'm running that yard and slinging drugs again and then go Mm -hmm. to the hole under investigation again so that what they do in arizona they call they do predator packets on you which is means they say like literally that you're a predator on the yard it says that you you commit predatory behavior um i could i could show you um what they actually say but what they'll do is they do that and then it's like they have an actual hearings for and they said automatically send you to maximum security so it's real hard to go to maximum security like that's why dudes like Wes Watson he ain't never been to maximum security like dudes like that are fake as shit bro like he, he, he never he got whooped on a minimum security yard before he got out and you can't go to the shoe <laughs> program and go to a minimum security yard like mm-hmm. I was in the shoe program so like that's what they do they automatically send you, you think
1: to- Wes Watson well, I don't know much about him but you think he's all fake no, I think he's fake about his, prison, his shit. prison shit. And here's the
0: deal. The 100% truth about Wes Watson, because we've talked and I'll show you the DMs on this mm-hmm. afterwards, bro. Because the, the reason I called him out is because he was talking about the shoe program. Wes Watson is good for the world because he preaches sobriety, preaches positivity, all that bullshit, but like... And discipline. Yeah, his tough guy, fake prison shit, all that shit's fake. He didn't keister his paperwork. Like he came out for an armed robbery or, or big drug sales. I like, got hundreds of stacks of paperwork. How could you keister hundreds of stacks of paperwork? Mm-hmm. And he tried to say he keister his paperwork. And then he tries to act like he was in the shoe program. You cannot go to the shoe program and I'll show you these DMs after this because this is what we talked about. You cannot go to the shoe program, which is a security housing unit, which is like supermax of maximum security and ever go below a three yard. Your points can only go two scores below a five. If you've ever been a five and you're in the shoe, you're in a five. I was a five, five, the highest you can ever go. And I have paperwork that I'll show you that proves that. He got jumped on a minimum security out before he got out for being a drug addict. I don't care if he was doing drugs in prison, so was I. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Just say it. You know what I'm saying? You're a multimillionaire, bro. Like, just be real. I was a drug addict in prison. I didn't run shit. I wasn't in the shoe program, but I'm a ball and I made, you know, $10 million my first five years out of prison. Like, you don't, okay. gotta, you don't yeah. gotta be tough and shit on all that top. But you can tell real tough guys, because real tough guys don't talk like that, bro. Real tough guys don't talk shit like he does all day long on Instagram mm-hmm. and try to pick fights with people and like literally just bark on the internet. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like so do I? He's a he's a good dude for the world, but like I hate that fake stuff. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So that's the, what I told him that day when he was like talking about the shoe program. So I literally sent him a DM, and you could tell us self conscious about it because I sent him a DM. I was like, "Yo, how'd you go to minimum security out right, if you if you were in the shoe program?" He Instagram, Facetime, calls me.
1: <laughs> that's crazy. Bro, bullshit
0: you not, I'm 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 a finance manager at a car dealership. I'm like five years out of prison, right? Don't even do the Instagram shit, really. I just follow some people up, but I don't I don't do Instagram myself. Like I don't, I, it's not big. To me. I have like 400 followers. You yeah, know? you didn't have like 500, didn't even do followers. anything bro. Yeah, like didn't even care about. It. I would just watch people's stuff, right? And he Facetime calls, so he Facetime calls me. So then I screen it. I'm like literally at work, and I was like, I'm at work. I'll step outside if you really want to talk. Here's myself. And um, and he texts me like that, and he goes, "You're gonna lose it. Better call me back." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, whatever. So I go step outside. and I call him, and he's like, "You one of those internet tough guys?" I was like, No. I literally told him. I was like, Bro, no, I'm the dude you claim to be. And I was like, But mm. I'm the truth. And he's like, what the fuck are you? He's like, I made $50,000 today. And I was like, I don't give a shit how much money you made. I was like, bro, I asked you a question. How did you go to the shoe program and go to minimum security? That's the only question I want to know. Because I was in the shoe program and you can't go below a three yard. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, so you're one of those internet tough guys. And I'm like, no, I just asked you a question, bro. I'm not even trying to get tough with you, bro. And um, he ends up telling me how much money he made and that he has no time to discuss this. But he takes so much more time than just telling me how it happened mm-hmm. and I'm like all right cool bro you don't know, have a good life tough guy you know and we end like that and he like literally didn't try that card because like I literally told him like bro google my name like mm-hmm. you can check I'm the dude you claim to be like check my f- prison file mm-hmm. and um so we get off the phone like that and it's, it's been whatever like to be honest I want to f- I would love to fight him on one of those like Jake Paul Logan Paul undercards bro <laughs> you know what I'm saying like make some money for charity mm-hmm. you know um I think it'd be good people would love to see that shit two two yeah. one shot caller and one not shot caller that says mm-hmm. he's a shot caller like going at it and he's I mean, he's got 50 pounds on me. Yeah, he's a big guy. I'll donate every single dollar to charity,
1: <laughs> and I wouldn't lose. There you go. So, uh, do, you, do you really fight like that? I, just, I would. No, but like, do you box or anything like that? I used to box, yeah. I used yeah. used to yeah. box? Yeah, I mean, I could train. Like, as a kid?
0: Yeah, I mean, the only thing I need to train is cardio. Like, you literally quit smoking. It would take two seconds, you know what I'm saying? <laughs>
1: That's it. <laughs> all right, we'll see if this reaches him. Yeah. We'll set it up. <laughs> I'm sure it will. I get <laughs> DMs about that stuff all the time. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it's one thing to like and like I don't not, mean to bash
0: on him because, like I said, he is good for the world. Like, I like I just hate him. I've never met him shit, bro. And here's what I don't like people, I know a hundred of people that go to his coaching things, bro, and he's mm-hmm. just a dick to him. If you ain't got big status, he just pays the money. He's literally told him to fuck off. Like, you're not big enough to get my help yet while they're paying him three grand a month for his coaching. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a fan of that shit. It is, it is what it is. And, bro, like, people like that just turn me off from the whole Instagram thing, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I told you, I haven't even posted lately, bro. Like, one thing I know is that there's so many fakes out here. It's mm-hmm. crazy, bro. Like, all these people that act like they're so rich, bro, that rent apartments, mm-hmm. don't own houses, and shit, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, flossing some like 60,000 mile Range Rover, acting like they're rich and shit, mm-hmm. you know, with
1: a fake watch on, you know? It's well, like. not just that. It's like, okay, you might, even if you are rich, like, are you a good person? Yeah, you know that, what that's I mean? my point.
0: Like, what are you doing yeah, for like, other people? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I put other people first in my life every single goddamn day, mm-hmm. bro. Like, since God saved my life, my last overdose, bro, like, I, she's seen my wife, but I, I, like, she said, I do too much for other people because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't like. But I feel like I, I should I need to like I feel like it's my duty to the world like God saved my life mm-hmm. from like death and like from the shittiest fucking life on earth and now like I live a fairytale life bro mm-hmm. like so why could I why should I not pass it on to people you know like help people
1: like me people seeing me
0: like this gives them hope to that they can do it to themselves you know
1: absolutely and dude there's a lot of successful people that are super positive and and whatever. And, like, um, it's just weird when you catch people in lies because it's, like, what else are you lying about? Yeah, and, and one
0: little lie makes you think, like, and then why lie? And if you're going to lie about something so small, then God only knows yeah. what else you're going to lie about. So, like, yeah, I'm a big thing on that. Like, if I catch a motherfucker lying, it's, it's, I don't mm-hmm. trust anything ever, you know? And it's, like, yeah. and it's just so hard to trust people nowadays. Now that I have my son, like, I bro, I don't even want to deal with nobody. Yeah. You know, I just want to go hibernate.
1: Yeah, I mean, even I, like, um, I started, like, doing the social media thing, like, probably, like, seven, eight months ago. I'm so like, damn, like my life was so simple back then because it's like it's a full-time job. People don't get that. Yeah, it's Everyone like a full-time job. Right? And it's yeah. like sometimes like you don't feel like posting, and then like you feel fake because you have to post to keep your engagement. Or you just let me say all. this, or you
0: gotta say these motivational videos when you don't even feel like motivating nobody. And yeah, you, you need motivation mo- yourself, and it's, bro. Yeah, yeah,
1: sometimes it's not that like sometimes it's like you're just not feeling like doing that at that moment. You know, I'll go speak anywhere at any time. I could be having the worst day of my life. I could go speak at a prison or a rehab anytime i could go do an interview but sometimes like doing the posting and like making a video man sometimes it doesn't feel like i don't know like there's something i don't like about it I you lose I the say. part of
0: it because at first it's fun and afterwards it feels like a job yeah, it's it feels like literally like a chore, job or, yeah, yeah like posting and people don't even realize like i'm not joking everybody mm-hmm. thinks they want to be instagram famous they have no idea how much it mm-hmm. actually takes like into like editing cutting mm-hmm. posting like literally posting when you don't want to post mm-hmm. you know like doing shit when you like literally feel miserable yourself mm-hmm. like it's dude. It, there's a lot, a lot to it, and like mad props to people that do, bro. Because I'm not joking. Like Man. I, I was like, I've been so burnt down on it lately, bro. Even doing
1: the podcast, like, dude, the podcast helps so many people? I love doing the podcast, but it's like, dude, there's I've been doing it for over maybe two years now, and it's like, it's expensive and exhausting, dude, it's right? Expensive. It doesn't make any money. It's, exactly, hopes that it could make money one day. It helps a lot. Well, of people. I was just
0: saying that today. People are like, dude, because people like I was yeah. balling because my podcast was popping. Like they're like. I, you have no idea how many people are like dude how much you're balling off your podcast i'm like
1: yeah
0: bro my podcast makes me negative three thousand dollars a month yeah. literally negative three yeah. g's a month and they can't believe like i funded that entire thing by myself I'm like literally yeah. made no dollars on it mm-hmm. and i'm just at this point where i was like just started to talk to sponsors and i had my son so i'm like i'll, I'll get it back and like but yeah. that's the thing you just got to keep pushing through to where people get sponsored then you will get mm-hmm. it. like bro i know i know and wallow personally bro like that, so oh, that's so really? that's my goal with them yeah
1: Wow, yeah. dude,
0: I'm such a big fan of them. I oh, I love, got Wallow sell too, bro. Yeah,
1: Wow, I love Wallow. Yeah, that's and
0: crazy. I'm I'm proof, of, Like I'm so when I quit my job two years ago, mm-hmm. I had 400 followers, and but Vice I did a TV show. I mean, they were just gonna release that Vice oh, yeah. TV show. I was a teenage felon, so I decided to quit and try and do the whole Instagram thing. And I'm not joking. In two years, I went from not knowing a single person, and I never ran a dollar an ad. I'm never paid for a follower, mm-hmm. and nothing, dude. I know I'm Andy Andy Frisella, Ed Mylett. I mean, you name it. Yeah, Dan I read Buzir, Dan mm-hmm. Fleischman.
1: Um, I read Dan Bozerno's book, Ed, Ed Milet's
0: book. Yeah, Gilly, Gilly, Kid Wallow. I like. Mm-hmm. I've met literally every single one of those people in the past two years. Wow. Just from grinding by myself, mm-hmm. though, bro. But, like, the one thing, there's a lot of fakes here, but I feel like the real see real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, like, you'll notice that a lot of the real people will help you get there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, like, there is a lot of good people out there in the, in the world, in this industry, too, which is, like, that's why I like, kind of, like... Go back forth my head lately because there's a lot of cool and I've done a lot of cool I know, shit. i met a lot of cool I, people. I'm lately, in the same boat. I feel like the this same bro, way. you know what I'm yeah, saying? I feel like cool. we'll be in touch yeah, forever. For you know, sure. so like that's what I'm thinking. Like, you meet people like this, it's like, damn, like mm-hmm. if you wouldn't have a podcast, you would have never met them. Or even if you'd met them like casually, you mm-hmm. would have had no like real, real connection, connection to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when well, you
1: like, do a podcast with people, sometimes you vibe and you just get to know yeah. them. Yeah. But sometimes I feel the same way. It's like, damn, bro, it's like I'm I'm spending all this money to do entertainment. And bro, I've made money in legitimate businesses that were like such less of a headache, yeah, and like made money and you did well. Right yeah, too, but I'm not
0: saying it's just it's fine through the first few years until you yeah, like get that big sponsor. It's such a like, grind, you know. You know but, but it is people don't know,
1: but it does help people. It's like my thing is like, dude, if this all like doesn't work out, like doesn't become profitable, like at least it's something that is like something on YouTube yeah. and Spotify forever. Well, because when I quit, I quit my job two years to, ago,
0: so I quit to go do this whole thing, mm-hmm. and then like literally I was like at a, a an event out in Orlando, and I was just like. Dude, I don't want to be out here I'm like I'm away from my <laughs> wife and son now, you know. And I was like, came back and I was like, I don't know what I want to do, but it's like so crazy. I'm like, the only thing I want to do is like I kinda of wanna just go back and take my finance job back, and just like be home every night and like mm-hmm. not do this lifestyle because it's like such a grind and so much. And it's just like, yeah, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. But it's like I, I just wanted like the kind of normalcy back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When, now that I have my son it just change everything. Yeah, I mean, if you're in love with somebody and you have a baby, it's like there's really nothing else you could really want. Like. <laughs> Seriously, bro. Yeah. So, like, but that's my thing with the podcast. I'll get going yeah. back when I have the studio, but, like, right now, I, I, all my podcasts just mm-hmm. on hold until, until my son gets here. But, yeah, and that, so that's why I look at it now. Like, I went back to finance, and so the only thing I was having trouble with is the fact that, like, I feel like I almost was giving up, like, right when I was there. But it's, mm-hmm. like, even if I do nothing else with it, like, I have a big podcast that's in, like, you know, 400-plus prisons mm-hmm. across the whole country, and it's, like, helped ton of people and i've saved a lot of lives already so even if no matter what i have a podcast and i go back to finance yes it's like it's i'm that. chilling that and the podcast is where it's at bro because it does especially recovery ones bro. like when you get For a sure. good recovery podcast yeah. they, they can like people love prison and recovery bro. that's what i say mm-hmm. is that's what i'm saying you're yeah. you have a really good one here too because people love recovery talk because it actually does save For lives sure. instead of just Edmund let Andy Fursello will inspire people to do cool shit, but, like, this will actually, like,
1: save your inspire life. someone to save
0: their life. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, like, give them hope and, like, literally that they can actually
1: change their life. And it's, like, anyone can inspire someone to be successful. Only, only someone who's to, fucked yeah. up their life can inspire someone else to, like, change That's their life. That's a really good point. Well, so, know, it's, I, like... I know what's going to make it real. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, like, you know...
0: It's, like... That's a really good point, dude.
1: Only... Really, only a drug addict can inspire another drug 100%. addict. 100%. For
0: sure. It's like, because that's why they don't work you, in rehabs. Because
1: you, you can say that you lost it all yeah. and you fucking got it all back. But we're not talking about selling a microwave at 2 in the morning. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. Like, you, you're down bad will never be drug addict down because
0: bad. Because that's what I'm saying. Like, that wouldn't even be nearly as bad as like being dope sick, strung out or something like that. I'd be like, I don't For God, a day. I'll, I'll lose $100 for one day. times over that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, not even think mm-hmm. twice about it.
1: Yeah, it's like, yeah, when, when you lose your kids and give them up over and over and fucking like crack addiction, like whatever type For of addiction, sure. it's a whole nother beast that it's like, if you've never done that, you, you can't even hear them. For like sure. I couldn't hear anybody. Yep. Like you could talk like, what are we talking about? <laughs> For you sure. Know? Same shit. Um. Okay. So wait, you go to the hole, you spend a month there, you come out and you just go back to using and then you get- And now
0: I'm like a shocker so I'm running shit. Like mm-hmm. I got a real big name out there. And now it's like pretty much every yard I touch, I'm, I'm running and mm-hmm. I'm only there until some bad shit happens. Then I'm under, the, <clears throat> under another um, predator packet back to maximum security. So like my last like, yeah, six years was like maximum security back to a four yard. Back, maximum security back to four yard. You mm-hmm. know, it was like that. And then um, my last 11 months, I was straight in solitary confinement under investigation for calling a shot on an attempted murder. Uh, mm-hmm. For a dude that got his throat slid and, like, literally, eyes stabbed out completely. Like, it's a miracle that dude lived, but thank God he did. And um, yeah, so I spent my last 11 months and it saved my life because I was strung out on drugs. I was 178 pounds when I went to solitary confinement. I got, I did my last 11 months, so I got out at 264 with 11 months sober. And, wow. Yeah, so it saved my life, bro. You know? 160 to 264? No, once 278 to 264. Or 178
1: to 264. 178 Yeah, to 264. for almost hundred pounds in eleven months. It's crazy. Yeah. What uh what made you want to change your life?
0: I knew I needed to get off drugs. I knew I was coming home, but I just couldn't get off drugs on the yard. I mean, they're never not there. And when you're that sick, you're not gonna go get right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not even about getting high anymore. It's like I'm gonna go, I would just feeling you know, normal. Yeah, bro, you could like, have you fought out for two, three, four days and then finally you just see everyone getting high around you, like, dude, I'm mm-hmm. gonna go get right, that's it, you know? And it's just like, it's impossible to stop on the yards like that.
1: Mm-hmm. And then when did, um, when did you think about, okay, I'm sober, but like, when did you want to change as a person? so when I wanted to change
0: this person when I got out of prison so when I got out of prison I was I wasn't sober because I was drinking because I think I'd never been to bars or clubs or anything I was a kid when I got locked up yeah. so like I'm, I spent that first like 11 months just drinking partying pulling chicks and mm-hmm. I had a you know I called an assault case blacked out that's my problem there like I didn't drink every day or like drink by myself but like if I drank I was blacking out and I was mm-hmm. getting some shit and I would do drugs with drugs in front of me so like yeah, I had a fentanyl overdose, bro. I, I uh, was drunk at a bar one day and don't even remember- wait.
1: Is this when you got out of prison? Mm-hmm. Oh, so you weren't even sober out of prison? Nope. So when you got out of prison, you were still partying and drinking, partying and drinking, overdose on fentanyl.
0: Yeah, um, I was drinking at a bar one day and ended up freaking leaving the bar and don't even remember leaving the bar, but mm-hmm. uh, and I had to go back to my phone to find out what the hell happened. And I, one of my dudes from prison got a hold of me on Facebook Messenger. That's how quick social media can kill people when they get out of prison, you know. And um, <clears throat> I dude, I, I wake up in an ambulance, and I'm like, what the fuck happened? And I like turn to the paramedic, I'm like, what happened? Last thing I remember was I was drinking at the bar, mm-hmm. and the dude tells me I overdose, and I'm like, I don't use drugs anymore. He's like, you did today, and I'm like, what the fuck? You don't even remember? You don't even remember? And I'm like barely in out of all i can remember is that ride to the hospital thinking like what a piece of shit like i'm going back to prison like what a loser like why can't i just die like Mm -hmm. literally i was like this is so shitty i'm so over this fucking life of mine you know Mm -hmm. and i remember getting to to the hospital and then i hear my little brother in the hallway and he's on the phone with my dad who's mr aa out of south dakota right and oh your dad's sober yeah and Mm -hmm. brings meetings to prisons out there in south dakota and i remember like yelling i'm like so now I'm this 31-year-old prison shocker and I'm like, tell my little brother not to tell my dad, you know, that I just overdosed <laughs> almost died. And he's like, do you know what happened? I was like, I have no idea what happened. He said, they told me I overdosed. And the, the doctor comes in and he happens to tell me that they were literally dead and they found me. Like, I was a miracle. They brought me back to life. By the mm-hmm. time I'd gotten to the hospital, my heart was only beating six beats a minute. So think about that, 10 seconds in between heartbeats. And the biggest miracle ever, how I got saved, bro, and I found this out afterwards, which was what kind of why I believed in God. So my ex-girlfriend's little sister found me. And she went to go tanning after work. And she said she went to the tanning bed place, said she turned her car off. She even parked her car and walked up to the door. She said the second she put her hand on the door of the tanning bed, she said something told her to go home. Mm -hmm. So she takes her hand off the door, gets in her car and goes home and finds me dead in in the bathtub. This is your your, sister? Just one of my ex-girlfriend's little sister. sister. Wow. So, I mean, if she even goes in the tanning bed salon place and takes another two, three seconds, I'm probably gone. Like, you can't stay without a heartbeat for too long. And... Mm -hmm. She calls 911, I was like, she said soaking wet and I was hunched over in the bath, bathtub so she couldn't even pick me up. So like she sat there while I was like laying upside on the bathtub mm-hmm. until um, the paramedics got there and they, whatever they did, shot me up with shit and did everything, got my heartbeat and saved my life, man. Mm-hmm. And um, I went from that hospital bed, like feeling like, remember, like I wanted to kill myself. Like I literally wish I would have just died. And then like something came over and like, I think, I. Now I know it's God, but like something came over me and I was just like, I don't wanna figure this shit out. You know, like I'm gonna actually give this a legit shot. I'm gonna done with the excuse of saying I need to drink and party because I didn't get to do that when I was a kid. And I'm gonna just give this a shot and try and get sober. And I moved. I went out to stay with my dad in South Dakota for a month and went to a meeting every day and came back to go sell cars and was 30 days sober. and gonna try and figure this shit out and be sober. And. Mm-hmm. You know, the next five years, I made two million bucks and bought two houses. And now I'm a finance manager at a big car dealership in Mm -hmm. Scottsdale, making 350 grand a year. And nobody in my family is successful. And, you know, I now live in a nicer house that my own even dad lives in. Mm -hmm. And life is awesome, bro. Like it's unbelievable. Seriously. And a lot of people are like scared to get sober. Like I was, because I thought like, this, my your life's gonna be boring. I thought all the fun's yeah. over, you know? And it's like, it's so
1: far from the truth. Or there's kids who are like 25, think yeah. their life's over. Yeah,
0: bro. It's like, bro, you're crazy. I didn't get sober until I was 31 years old. And I was like, I had the coolest <clears> life and <throat> the best thing in the world. Like, and it feels like I, mi- I didn't miss a beat. And I was so bitter and resentful and angry because I missed out on those 12 years because all my friends got to go to college and shit. And you know what all those dudes are doing out here now? Barely. Not the really. only ones that are more successful than me are ones that their parents handed them companies. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? All my friends that went to college, and I'm not joking. The only ones that are more successful than me are ones that like they're, mm-hmm. you know, grandfathered and they were gonna be millionaires
1: no matter what. Yeah, It's like Wallow. Like, you know, like <laughs> Walla's story is like, dude, he was in prison for like, what, 20 years? 19 years, and straight at 17, five. bro. But then, but then like, you know, his thing was like, he was laser focused when he got out because he had lost so much time. Those so. dudes are as
0: cool and as real as it gets to, but like, no joke. That's cool. Yeah, I met them super weak and they hired and they came- uh, How did you meet him? Jalen Strong, you know, he played- uh, he played football for ASU and the Houston Texans and stuff. He actually, my network is crazy, bro. Yeah. So, like, and I met him from the podcast. He mm-hmm. came on my podcast and he's best friends. Oh, they friends. did your podcast? Yeah, and he came. Oh, that's cool. He's, he has a real good connection. He's local too. Mm-hmm. And he's best friends with DeAndre Hopkins. You know mm-hmm. who he is, right? Mm-hmm. No. I was going to say, even if you don't know who DeAndre Hopkins is, like, the best receiver in the NFL, <laughs> no. though, right? So he's best friends with him. So then we were into. I know the...
1: Jerry Rice and Dan Marino. That's <laughs>
0: it. So he was the Jerry Rice of the NFL right now. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, we went to the last couple of Cardinals games in DeAndre Hopkins' personal that's private crazy. suite And, uh-huh. um, and then they were doing like a big seven on seven football thing down here. And mm-hmm. they came down just to go talk to Jalen's kids to just literally go inspire them and just mm-hmm. like give them a little positive feedback. And like wow. Super Bowl week, and they drove like 50 miles out of their way. Like I said, those dudes are as good and cool as it gets. So talk to a group of like 20 mm-hmm. kids too. They're,
1: they're super That's cool, awesome. bro. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you get out, when does your belief in God like really take hold of you? It didn't honestly take
0: hold of me <clears throat> until like two years ago. Like, even when I became successful, I still didn't pray and didn't believe in God. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is all me. There's no chance God's real. Like, seriously, I was like, this is, I did all this. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm serious, no one could take any other credit. I was like, dude, seriously, because that's how I felt like I did all this shit myself. God didn't fucking help me out a bit, you know what I'm saying? I got through all this shit by myself, mm-hmm. with myself, you know, and I did it. And um, that was literally my mindset, you know, no one could tell me otherwise. And then I quit my job and I felt lost, bro, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wasn't in the right spot. I knew I had to leave that dealership. I was making such good money. Like I had everything, but I just mm-hmm. was missing something. I wanted to help people, you know? And then I quit my job and then I ended up going for lunch with Sheriff Lamb, the American sheriff. And um, he convinced me to make some prison curriculum. So I made prison curriculum now that I'll like, start like doing in the prisons and stuff. And um, I was like that day. Prison what? Prison curriculum. Like teaching inmates how to like change their mindset and all this stuff. Cause there's no, they don't have none of that stuff out here. So I start, he convinces me to like do that and he's like bro i'm like and he tells me, like the budget and money that's in that And i'm mm-hmm. just like all right and then i go home that day and then on instagram like someone dms me and he's like hey i'm the biggest prison curriculum developer in the country and he goes i would love to meet with you he's like you seem really connected but is there anything i can do to help you out i'm like mm-hmm. how do both those two things happen the same exact day and i've never even heard of this i just quit my job and i was like looking for the next big thing you know mm-hmm. and i was just like damn maybe this is god you know and it's like out of nowhere and i was just like Maybe I should try and pray then, or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I was like, I got down on my bed and I prayed last that night. It was like 10:30 at night, and I was like, prayed. And I didn't even know how to pray, you know. I was like, I forgot the Our Father, and I was just like, I don't know. I don't, yo, if you're, if this is you, like, mm-hmm. come see me. You know what I'm saying? Like, didn't even know how to pray, but I was like, I, if this is you, like, please help, like, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, dude, like, the more I pray, and the more like, so I mean, my wife pray every night together, and like, we read a stat that like says couples are 1,165% less likely to get divorced if they pray out loud with their couples every day. Do you know that? So like- I believe it. Yeah, yeah, so we pray like every night together. And mm-hmm. it's like, I've been, lately I've been, you know, praying for signs, like, where should I be in life right now? Mm-hmm. You know, because I was like, I'm telling you, I got burnt out on the whole Instagram thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I didn't know what to do. And like, my son just changed everything. I just want to be home with my son every day. So like, no joke, I've just been like praying for direction, like what to do. And like, anytime I've like prayed for something direction, not something like physical or something selfish, mm-hmm. it's just like, and i pray for a sign it's like i'll get the <laughs> f- biggest sign in the entire world it's like how mm-hmm. could i you know it's like i just know i'm in the right spot and the more i pray and like you just it sounds so i i, I literally hate to be one of those guys that just mm-hmm. says like lean on god more because like i was so anti-god and i feel like it, that's the only thing that turned me off from getting sober in the beginning mm-hmm. was like all these god, the god freaks guys, you know what i'm yeah. saying like seriously like but i'm proof that if like bro if i believe in god like he is real you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying and like the things that can happen if you believe in god like it chokes me up am still like
1: Dude, you can literally do anything. Like, literally do anything you want. Yeah. And it's coming from somebody who, like, started believing that after you had all the success. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Like, I didn't pray for God to get me there. Like, I had it all, bro. And Mm -hmm. then, like, I found God after I had it all. I'm just like. But it was, like, it was him the whole time. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's the only reason that my story makes sense. Like, why the fuck would God, why would God give me 12 years in, you know, in prison? Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I was so resentful on him. But it's, like, I know exactly why now. Because, like, this, bro. Because, Mm -hmm. like. I'm tough enough to handle the 12 year prison sentence that I that I went through. And like, I'm big enough to be able to like fucking pass along, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's why like, I don't feel like I'm so blessed now here is because like, dude, I suffered and suffered and mm-hmm. suffered, you know, and like, I just, yeah. and I always say this like, God, I always cry. I always say it's like, the only thing I did right a lot of times mm-hmm. was held on once, didn't give up. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. like, and now people like think I got like they're like, dude, look at your life now. I'm like, bro, he's like, you should have seen my life for the past 20 years, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I deserve all this shit now, you know? And it's like, but that's one thing I learned. I was like, I just put other people first, bro. I just serve and trying to help
1: every single day, man. It's mm-hmm. like, God just blessed me, like beyond belief. Yeah, it's crazy how there's like so many times where like I didn't have money or like whatever, like the hardest time it was for me to give, like I'll see almost like instant rewards or I, I don't know, like being in recovery, like I'm a hardcore 12-step guy. Okay, like dope. It's just like, Ingrained in me that like you can't keep what you have unless you give it away. Absolutely. So I just like have lived and breathed that model. Like I really do believe that. And it's like there's a lot of people who have like a scarcity mindset. For sure. And it breeds like less. You know, it's yeah. like it's like when you think that there's not enough for us. And um one thing that like really helped me was like I used to think that like if you won, it meant that I lost. Like it took so long for me to realize like you winning. Doesn't mean that I didn't win. Yeah, like we both can, we can win. all win together. Like yes. Everybody can win. Yes, there's enough money for everybody and some. And like sometimes in business, it's hard because it's like, oh, you have competition, and like this person is taken away from you, or like, or like whatever. But it's like, you know, like the us all being one mentality is really the only thing that can save you, anyways. Because no matter how many how much times you win, if you still think that yeah. it's just you, you're gonna feel alone, anyways.
0: Well, especially now in the world, do yeah. we all need each other? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And there's like. So i tell people when i'm like talking to like bro there's like you have the answers to anything out there with your cell phone now you know what i'm saying if you don't know something you got a friend that knows something you can find mm-hmm. out the answers to anything you can do anything in this world you want you know yeah, my
1: favorite saying is google it yeah straight up <laughs> bro literally absolutely <laughs> bro if you ask me a question in my dms that you can google i'm just like, <laughs> it's just like dude it's crazy you know what else blows my mind is like i probably met like 200 people that have been like yo dude can you help me like in sobriety or recovery or like success or anything i'll be like yeah bro here's my number yeah and then bro, months will go by, and I'll find them on social media, I'm like bro, you never called me, and they would be like, oh, I thought you were busy or something. Yeah. But it's right. like, dude, it's that simple. Yeah. It's like, dude, there's people every single day that are willing to help you, yep. and you're not willing to help yourself. So it's like for that's sure. why we you're gotta in a same for help. position. Yep. But um, I tell people all the time, bro, it's like most successful people I know, dude, I want nothing to do with their life. They they're miserable. And they don't have more than two friends and those two friends are like bot. You know what I mean? So it's like do I tell I tell people all the time, like, bro, if you have a good woman in your life and you have three or four friends and you have a job and you have a little bit of savings, that's all there could you couldn't have more. That's literally, I told it. you all I
0: want to do is Instagram to be famous and all that yeah. shit and
1: make money. Now I'm like, no,
0: I got married and have my son like, dude, yeah. I don't care about nothing I don't else, blame bro. You. Like literally nothing else.
1: Yeah. Sometimes like the, the more. Like I bring
0: everybody like, like, you know, yeah. it's like, dude, I, I never thought I'd have this, you know, like.
1: When I try to do more, I actually get more miserable. Yeah. The sure. less I try to do, the more I feel. And I'm not talking like giving back or doing the potty or stuff like that. But it's like, you know, honestly, like, dude, life is so simple but my thing is I confuse it for like boredom or something or like I think that I need to be doing more good problems I have now though I know um I'm trying to think what is uh what is your niche in like helping people
0: bro I just feel like I get to ground level and I'm like and I'm straightforward with people you know like Mm -hmm. I don't I
1: don't sugarcoat shit but like I've been there
0: done that you know like and one thing like I'm kind of a hard ass with him too, though, but mm-hmm. I kind of needed that too. You know, like when, if I'm speaking at like a pro orientation I hear or something like that, like a dude sitting on his phone, like I'll call him, I forgot right there, bro. Like straight mm-hmm. up. And like, but when I'm doing that, it's like, I, those dudes are still prisoning me, so I'm still, I still run <laughs> you, like, and you can't whoop me. So, like, yes, I will talk shit to you, you know what I'm saying? But, like, seriously, it's life or death. That's how I look yeah. at it, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're playing on your phone and I'm trying to give you some free game, and I'm up there, if I'm speaking in the prison orientation, it's for free out of my own dollar, and like, gassing up there mm-hmm. myself, taking time out of my day to go do that shit, like, put your goddamn phone down, bro. Like, listen mm-hmm. to some game. If not, you'll be right back in prison, anyways, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Trying to be a broke ass dude, trying to bump soups and shit, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: Um, Tell me about your podcast. Like how did it start? What was going on with it now? Dude, I
0: just, that's another thing like from God, bro. Like when I quit my job, I was like just meeting with every single person I had known and trying to like figure out my next thing to do. Mm -hmm. And like, I had been interviewed on a few podcasts. Like I'd read the comments on them. People like, dude, this dude needs his own show. And I was just like, shit, maybe I should try and do my own show. And then like, Mm -hmm. I happened to saw a buddy that I had a podcast studio company for a second business and was just like a fan of mine. And I was just like, and it just, was God put us together perfectly. And then mm-hmm. started doing a podcast. What's crazy is, bro, they did my entire podcast for the first year and funded the entire thing for free. And never got any return. And we had a mutual split and they were just like mm-hmm. totally cool with it. Wow. Because like I wanted to blow up and like start doing more. We were doing episodes every other week. And like I wanted, now that I saw the show was getting traction, I was like, all right, I want to blow this shit up. And they didn't have time to do it, but they were mm-hmm. funding the entire thing. So they were literally like we just love your story and what you're doing like we're just cool splitting ways and we know you need more help we don't even have the time to give it to you because it was like a second business for them Mm -hmm. so they loved like a mutual split and they just did all for free that was a god thing too you Mm -hmm. know so yeah my whole thing got ran everything and these dudes fronted the entire thing for me bro
1: and is video and audio Yep, both yep on audio
0: spotify everything yeah roll call with chappy
1: roll call with. yep r-o-l-l
0: space c-a-l-l with Mm chappy c-h-a-p-p-y
1: what um what are like some of your favorite episodes
0: Dude, I was just thinking of Josh Snow, shout out to the Snowman, have you heard of him? Mm-hmm. Dude, the Snow teeth whitening brand. Um, you've gotta have seen that, but he's like um, under 30 years old, like from the hood, like from nothing, worth over nine figures mm-hmm. already, and like literally the biggest teeth whitening brand in the world. Um, wow. And him, like I thought he came from like, you thought the he came family? from a rich family, bro. Uh-huh. And he was like, he was literally walking to the public library and we were talking about Google, that's what made me think mm-hmm. of him. I was like, how'd you learn this? He goes, Google. Because people don't know because I used to just ask Google questions all day long. He goes, I literally built an entire business asking Google how to do this. Mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus Christ. You know how he started a website business at 13, literally asking Google how to build websites. Mm-hmm. And so Josh Snow is one. You know, my first episode with my parents is the crazy one. It got 50 times the views of any other episode. Really? Yeah. With both of your parents? Yeah. Because like it's like the Vice TV show, like they cut out parts for TV uh-huh. purposes and twisted my words up. Like that's my full story with my parents you get their reactions like my mom mm-hmm. and like yeah watch me like so that one's an hour and a half and it's no one gets through that without crying mm-hmm. wow um dan Fleischman is a really cool one your dad's still sober yep like uh dude his last relapse was the that i got sentenced oh no he went and got a bottle of wine just got hammered in a hotel room by himself and then he just and then he's quit since then and he had 10 years sober before then
1: whoa through 10 years away that night he's still hardcore into the twelve step program yeah
0: does meetings sponsors a bunch of dudes and everything wow yep mm-hmm. so he's in town right now for a few weeks and him and my brother doing a six thirty a.m meeting every morning wow oh okay. yeah your brother's going yeah. to meetings now too yeah shout out to my little bro 60 or 76 77 days sober yeah cool it's the best shit in the world but mm-hmm. we, you know, we didn't talk for two years before then mm-hmm. dude sobriety is the coolest gift in the world and it never stops giving mm-hmm. seriously yeah like it changes you from like literally hating yourself and like wanting to die and thinking Mm -hmm. you have the shittiest most bitter life to like and it you don't get this right away when you get sober but like Mm -hmm. you just gotta hold on like bro and I hate using the cliche AA sayings but Mm -hmm. it's like bro don't stop before the miracle happens Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying it's like people think like their life's gonna change overnight and it's not bro but like it just gets gradually gradually better and then like you'll get to a point in time where you'll realize like holy fuck like how did i live like that before you know and it's like th- and then you go place where it's like people are like almost like now when i go speak of mm-hmm. prisons like if i don't show my task like they can't believe i was in prison mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying
1: yeah they don't believe it yeah i know uh, i always tell people it's like the opposite of addiction so like when you start doing drugs it's like fantastic and then like years later you wake up you're like who the fuck am i what is this like where do my teeth go and then in recovery it's like dude it sucks so bad every day is like fucking hell you're fucking withdrawing your life doesn't feel like it gets better and then like a year or two later yeah you're like damn i got my teeth back yes, you know? seriously. So, yeah seriously yeah it literally is like the same process in reverse and like addiction just gets worse and worse and worse and recovery just gets better and better and better the exact same thing yep yeah it's just like a pendulum bro yes, one has to offset thing. the other of course there has to be an opposite yep um what other episode? What episode are you
0: talking about? Um, dude, another one actually. Shout out to Emily Hayden. Um, she's the big first form chick that mm-hmm. I was telling you about. Um, she's just the one, a, a dope human. And she is like, it's a really deep one. She does like women's mm-hmm. coaching stuff. So she's like, I'm not deep like that, but it's a bunch. Of, it, I just thought it was a really mm-hmm. good episode. Um, Paul Kruger, actually, who is a football player for the Ravens mm-hmm. and won a Super Bowl, he, he has a really good episode of mine. Um, I got a bunch of ones on there, bro.
1: Who's like your dream guest? Andy Frisella. Andy Frisella, yeah. yeah. He's, He's going to come down to doing though. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think Andy Frisella.
0: Um, it's not Andy and Sal. No, I always, Andy and Andy Sal. just has the name, but with no joke, like, no disrespect, Sal, <laughs> and they're both the same uh-huh. to me, bro. Like, Sal's the shit, so I don't know if, like, most people aren't on Sal as much, because Andy's more out and stuff, mm-hmm. bro, but, like, but Sal is, like, they're the same dude, but completely different, but, like, it just as legit, mm-hmm. and just as dope, and just as good a human beings. So, bro, they're, like, as cool as it gets, bro, like... I always make the joke. I'm like, dude, I thought me and my brother were cool growing up until you used to meet the Frisella brothers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah, they're they're incredible. I mean, I'm in such a huge that's trend. my yeah my dream. Even over, I mean, them are like, dude, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan. That's a, that's the only other one. Oh, yeah, you know your saying? wife said you're a big Michael Jordan. Fan. Oh, I'm tattooed. Yeah, the son's name is Jordan. yeah everything. Yeah. Love Shout Michael out to Michael Jordan. Jordan. Get your ass on roll call, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't do podcasts. Yeah, I
1: know. Yeah, that's crazy for sure. Hey, I want to thank you I want to come on coming on the show. You have an incredible story super genuine dude i mean it really was um honestly like maria who like sets all this up was like dude i get another podcast right after this And i was like all right cool yeah but but uh it definitely was like amazing bro you have an amazing Thanks, story and do
0: uh, one other thing sorry bro go buy my book please against yeah. all odds it's on amazon um just check against all odds by peter meyerhoff yeah. um leave me a review check it out though bro. it's a dope ass book though and just release that in august it's already How long did it take you to write that uh i wrote it with a ghostwriter and took like almost a year wow yeah but it's, it's uh really dope book and like- Against all odds. Yep, yeah, against all odds. That's what I got Blast on my neck right there. It was the last tattoo. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Instagram, Peter underscore Meyerhoff. And then you guys know the podcast, Roll Call with Chappie. We'll tag you and we'll send
1: you all the dope. videos. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Yo, I appreciate you. Thank you, bro.